Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of the First Word Podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike. And uh, we're glad to have you on the show today because we're talking about the one movie that everyone is talking about, uh, Joker. And this is a big discussion we're finally excited to get into. So um, before we get into our discussion, our guest today is Katie Smith Wong. She is a film writer um, based in London, and she writes for Flick Feast, uh, Hey You Guys, Vodzilla. And she's uh, actually one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is I've always been a fan of your writing. I've been following you for a few years now, and um, I've always enjoyed hearing your voice on films and your take on film. Uh, so actually, my first question, Katie, welcome to the show, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, my first question for you is, what, can you give me a little bit of your background in film and what got you into film writing and how you ended up uh, being a film writer, so to say? Well, I think my love of film stems from when I was young because um, my parents used to work long hours in a takeaway. So the easiest thing to have at hand to entertain me and my brothers at the time were films. So we always watched a video when they were working. And this kind of grew into when, uh, grew to when I was older. I didn't get into film writing until I was in university and I worked for the student newspaper. Um, kind of dwindled when I first moved to London, didn't really think anything, I could do anything like that at all. Um, but kind of bit the bullet after taking a journalism course and I started blogging and then started writing for sites and here we are. Um, it's, a, it's been a long road, but one that I find very rewarding. Yeah. That, do you do this full time? Is this your only job or do you have another job? I, I do this in my uh, spare time, actually. I actually okay. work in uh, publishing in, uh, in the city of London. Cool. I guess I ask because I know a lot of people in the UK have a hard time doing film writing full time. There's, there's not only limited positions, but just the cost of living in London specifically is so high, it's hard to do that. It's, it's crazy competitive, I have to admit. Um, I've, um, the opportunities to do this full-time are very limited so um, it's I'm I think I'm very fortunate to have a full-time job to help support me while I do this yeah of course and you just came from the London Film Festival which just wrapped up a few days ago um, and I'm very curious uh, it seems like they had a fantastic lineup not only uh, some good British films but just a lot of great films that have been premiering this fall showed up there um, and I'm really kind of jealous of everyone who is there. So I'm curious, uh, since you just came from the London Film Festival, what are your favorites? What are the films that really stood out for you from this year? Uh, well, first of all, I kind of wished I did more because it's just because the scheduling can be crazy hectic mm. each year. So I try and be a bit, you know, quite, I'm quite selective with what I watch. Mm. Uh, but of the films that I did catch, um, three films were in my eyes, standouts. Um, it what they were included: um, *Marriage Story*, starring mm -hmm. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, love that film. Uh, *Knives Out* by Ryan Johnson. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, *Waves* that stars um, Sterling K. Brown. Yeah, those are the three. Aside from uh, a couple of other major ones, obviously *Parasite* and others. Those are the three that I've heard from this fall season that like almost everyone loves. Knives Out specifically, I think, was one that a lot of people were unsure of and has been getting not just, like, good reviews, but just rave reviews from everyone. And I'm so excited to hear that, number one, but also to see it eventually myself. I'm actually quite jealous because I, um, Parasite hasn't been released here yet. So uh, not a lot of people in the UK haven't seen it. 
And I'm just seeing all this um, praise from other film festivals and other audiences worldwide, and they've had a chance to see it, but we haven't. So That's, I'm surprised that that didn't play at the London Film Fest, but I guess they thought it's been at every other festival. They don't need to show it, but that that should have played there. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was, I was kind of hoping that it would be part of the um, program, but um, yeah, no. There's a no-go on Parasite. <laughs> Did you see the um, the the Tom Hanks, uh, Mr. Rogers one, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Oh, that is so lovely. It's such a lovely film. It just had that warm, fuzzy feeling afterwards. It's hard to just feel good after you watch it. Yeah. I'm wondering, actually, I want to ask you specifically, um, a lot of the people I've been reading from Europe or in the UK are very, uh, not, I don't know what the right word is, hesitant about it because they don't, have any relation or any knowledge of Mr. Rogers previously. And I've wondered how it's playing for people who have no idea who he is and are being introduced to him for the first time in this film and whether they can sort of feel the... I haven't seen it yet, I'm just asking from, from what I've heard, but can feel that sense of who he is and, and, and like his legacy through the well, film. Some of the people that I spoke to about, about it afterwards or even beforehand, they actually watched a documentary about Mr. Rogers Right. So there was some kind of knowledge. And of course, he's a pop culture icon that have been referenced in sitcoms and programs that have been imported to the UK. I was also a bit concerned about how Mr. Rogers would come across to UK audiences. Um, but it's kind of like the farewell. You know, it's like it, it, there are messages and themes in it that other that audi all audiences can appreciate and understand. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that Mr. Rogers is a core element in it is not as important, so to speak, no. considering <laughs> what, what the, what, considering what the, I, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be offensive, but it's like, you know, the, um, you know, because, because of what the plot entails, the feeling, the, there are the feelings there that people who may not be familiar with Mr. Rogers can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And I guess that's, what I'm looking forward to in it is not just like, and I've heard this from obviously the descriptions and everything I write about it, but it, that it's not a like biopic about Mr. Rogers. It's about uh, specifically, I guess, the story with him and his journalist, but also just, as you're saying, these themes, these ideas of goodness that through his story and through this moment of um, his life that they're telling that you can get that from him. And I think that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing how um, Marielle Heller plays that through the film. I really love her work, and I'm really excited to see what she's done with this. No, I agree. It's and it's one. It is one of those things. The relationship between um, Fred and um, Lloyd, who is played by Matthew Reese, is quite. It's quite really nice to see because it is not. It is. It's a journey. Yeah. It's a journey of self discovery. That's um, how I how I saw it. Mm -hmm. um, no, it's you didn't. I don't think you need to be really familiar with Mr. Rogers to appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, uh, with that said, I think it's time to jump into Joker. If everyone, if everyone's finally ready, this is uh, we're people who people who are listening who didn't know what they were talking about. It's okay to come back now. <laughs> They're like London. I didn't want to hear about that. No, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're we're almost a week late, but that's because um, I admit I had to have I actually had to go see it again before I got into this conversation because the last time I saw it was like almost two months ago in Venice. Uh, and I really wanted to get a fresh viewing, and Mike and I have been really busy. So now that we've all had it, it's one of these discussions like we have to talk about Joker. 
Um, and I wanted to have a conversation that wasn't just you and I, Mike. So, so uh, Katie, again, thank you for joining us into this conversation. Because I, 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 it's, a, it's a film that not only everyone needs to comment on, even if they haven't seen it, but it's just a film that even if you have seen it, I want to hear everyone's take on it. Um, and when I went to my screening again a couple of days ago here in Berlin, the, it was almost sold out at Sunday afternoon, and it was completely quiet from start to finish. And of course, that doesn't necessarily mean anything one direction or another, but my first thought was like, I want to talk to every single person and hear their reactions. And I know there's going to be a complete range of, of hate or just disinterest and obviously love and, and complete infatuation. And I think, I know for me, and I don't know about you, Mike, but I kind of fall in the middle of that. And that's, that's my introduction that I'll, that I'll say so we can just get into it from here. Um, and, and the other thing is... Uh, I've been, and I. This was kind of my tweet in Venice that became infamous around the world. Was the the before and after Joker point that I was trying to make is that that not only has the box office success so far been incredible for Joker in, around the entire world, but that I I've been trying to see what the actual impact is yet. Of course, thankfully, nothing happened at any screenings, but I've been wondering to see just just what people how people react. And the only thing that recently hit me in terms of its its true impact is that I was just riding the tram yesterday and there was some guy next to me who I just overheard randomly talking about Joker like trying to convince his friends to go see it and was talking about Joaquin Phoenix and the performance and that's what he was trying to sell them on and I'm like that's when I know a film has truly achieved a massive cultural impact good or bad that's yet to be seen is um, when someone just randomly in the middle of the day in the middle of a city is talking about it in a way where like he's excited to talk about it. And he's excited to talk about it because it is a cultural discussion. Um, so that's, and, I, and I've been very curious. I don't know, Mike, if you have a better sense of the American response to it, but just like, you know, are people talking about it? Is, the, is it the kind of thing like you're in the coffee shop line and people behind you are like, oh man, Joker, that yeah. was crazy. No, there's, there's like, there's a couple of areas, day-to-day -day life that uh, I start to hear people talking or asking me, about a movie, right? There's the, it's the sort of water cooler discussion situation. Doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, the big movies everybody's anticipating, it kind of always happens for, hey, did you see the new Star Wars movie or whatever? Um, but the the best example I have is that I, uh, this year decided to get a personal trainer and uh, he doesn't really watch movies all that much but every once in a while he brings up did you see blank movie yet because he knows i'll have an opinion or he knows i've seen it and he asked me two weeks in a row if i'd seen joke because he thought it had been released already and that's like a running joke that's been going on anyway for a month because people have been talking about it every day since yeah. your tweet basically and uh <laughs> and it definitely it sort of felt like it had already been out somehow and to be honest my anticipation has a very interesting shape where I was just beyond excited, beyond anticipating this movie when the first trailer and teaser came out and through that whole process and then it started to screen and people started to really change the discussion, uh, not so much about the film itself, but about whether or not some crazy kid in middle America is going to shoot up a movie theater because they saw it. And then that turned into a, a wildly out of control zeitgeist discussion about this movie that we can certainly get into but it 
it really did like sour my experience. I was no longer interested, not for my personal safety, but just because I was so fucking annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> no longer interested, as interested in seeing this movie. Like Thursday night, 7 p.m., the first showing. So it, it, it got to a point where I, and my wife didn't want to see it. My wife was a hard no. But can I, uh, can I ask you, were you, like one of the things I've seen is people have been, after these like threats came out, people were like, oh, I'm afraid to go see it now. Is that how you guys felt, or were you just like, I don't want to, like, it had just killed your interest in general? I no pun intended. I don't think afraid was the, the, you know, the right word I could really describe the anticipation that I felt. In, well, from the, from, from people, from in the UK anyway, I think people were just kind of picking up the response from the film, uh, Venice Film Festival, or mm. and preview screenings from outside of the UK. Um, we already, I think by the time the press screening happened here, um, there were already quite a few polarized opinions and the, the social media reaction had only, had just started to kind of develop. Mm. And, you know, the, the interviews and comments from uh, Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix didn't really help either. Yeah, And um, I think, and you know, by the time the screening had been and gone, it's like we already the, these opinions of how the film was interpreted had polarized even further. So it's it's a very mixed reaction. I don't think I don't, but I don't think people are afraid to see it. I just think at at the moment people are just sick of hearing about it whether it's in the news on social media it's quite it's just every other day, every day is there's some comment or some some reaction towards it and it'll just kind of, it just blow and it just further blows it up yeah. i don't know whether it would i don't think it's the kind of reaction that they really had in mind but that being said when you deal with the themes that joker has in the film it's kind of hard to ignore. They're kind of hard to ignore. You know, the, the interesting thing about all that that process that you you touched on too is, you know, my my wife, uh, who for the most part I don't really like going to the theater uh, to see a movie if she's not really excited to go to. Um, I'll just wait to watch it when it comes out, like I did Midsummer yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, that being said, I I was fully prepared and ready to go see this at a movie theater by myself the Tuesday or Wednesday after it came out, just like midday. And then Friday night came along and she was just like, I, I just, I have to see it. I don't want to see it. I, I, I'm, I'm worried. She was a little concerned for her safety. Um, I, I wasn't really, I was mostly saying, I, I you know, just like just try to, we got to move past that. Cause it's, it's, it's just, we, we can't think that way in this country, let alone, <laughs> allowing just like the media to get the media wanted to see something happen. I think at the end of the day, the movie itself did not really, uh, when you leave the theater, I would be hard pressed to, to find somebody who left the Joker thinking, Whoa, everybody was right. Like somebody's going to kill somebody because of this movie. There were a few people who said stuff like that on Twitter, but I think it's a very, 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 very small percentage of people who are just very easily antagonized by uh, the things going on around them. Yeah, the movie when, did not do that. Yeah, when I heard the you know the reactions from certain screenings in the US in particular, it was a bit like, really, you're gonna go that what you're gonna go that far because a movie kind of insinuates it. <laughs> yeah. I do think that in in America specifically, when it comes to the sort of 
the the really really tight rope that everyone's walking on about this topic of mental illness and violence i kind of think especially with social media everybody just wants to be able to check off the box that says i told you so if something bad happens mm. and you know they they don't if and they also think that silence is complacency and, and and that goes for a lot of things happening in america right now and that's why everybody's got a voice and they're saying things and they're having their opinions and that's a whole social issue in and of itself but you know when push comes to shove and we actually talk about this movie and what it attempted to accomplish and what it did accomplish which i think is a very important sort of chapter of our discussion here it was never about i don't even know where it started or if it was just a sort of presumption that this was going to be a movie about the quote unquote incel you know the 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 guy who can't uh, get a girl and therefore he takes his aggression out on women and other people just because uh you know he, he's frustrated about that particular issue mike it, um, it started before you go on it started i think because there was a leaked script earlier in the year and um everyone is always with every major film is always curious what it is and if they get their hands on a script and not like an old old script but a fairly recent one they read it and i think that's where a lot of people reading the script started taking things out of it saying look at this look at what's look at what it's really about because we didn't know at the time that the script had leaked and i remember uh, only later in the summer was i catching up with that and reading people being like like because i wondered the same thing as like where the hell did this start and then of course that uh, a lot of people said, oh, there was a script going around that a lot of people had read. Alright, I think I read somewhere that actually was inspired by The Killing Joke, the graphic novel, mm. where the guy who ended up becoming the Joker in the graphic novel, spoiler alert, they, he was having a bad day because certain events happened to him that kind of caused him to break down. And he ended up getting involved in a crime, and it ended and it ended terribly, and it and it caused him to go insane. That's you know, good... I I think I, I do think that there are there was clearly influence from Killing Joke, which is I'm not a comic book guy, like I don't have a wall full of them, but I do have about like ten or twelve, mostly the graphic novel stuff, like Watchmen and Killing Joke, and um, the things that are a bit more mature and um, and, and just feel like narrative storytelling more than most comic books, which was just sort of like and television. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like television on paper is the only thing I could think of in the moment to compare it to. But I, I just think that it was always pretty clear what this movie was going to be. Right? It, was, it was fairly obvious that it was going to have social commentary. It was going to be about the down and out. And what surprised me most about it, and actually what left me the most pleased was that it was in sort of it was a it was the way I described it was an anti-bullying fant revenge fantasy movie, and it, <laughs> it, and if you if you if you condense it down to those properties, that's all it that's all it is. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also I think it is absolutely a testament to the time we live in globally, not just in America. That people can watch this movie and interpret other things, um, things that weren't even there. I mean, I've had discussions on Twitter with people who think that um, Joker, and where this is spoilery. I'm, I hate it, telling people this is going to be spoilers, but because you're listening to a podcast three weeks later. But um, you know, I mean, somebody said, "Oh, well, he definitely killed Zazie Beetz's character and her her child," and I was just like, 
I, I don't even understand what? where that where that came from. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 he was even he was very very aggressively defensive about the fact that it happened because of quote unquote the way he walked down the hallway after that interaction. We can we're we're all on the same page here. It's a hundred percent did not happen. That that scene was plenty worthwhile and valuable for the movie enough to just showcase to the viewer very explicitly that some of the things haven't actually been happening. And then he leaves and he goes into the world where people have actually been abusive and bullying him and he kills those people. The fact that he didn't kill the the little person uh, is proof that he, that he more than likely did not kill the girl and her child. He never, yeah, he never really had like uh, negative feelings towards any women in the film basically like obviously he loves his mom and he of course it was the you know spoiler but of course it was the fantasy was as he beats but then also like there was never any violence towards women aside from the guys in the subway but other than that he which he kind of i felt like he kind of wanted to 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 defend her but he didn't because he was just so broken down at that point but but that's what i found interesting too was like yeah, he's he. Where did this? Where did this? Uh, to your to your comment about the guy on Twitter, like, where did that intense belief that this guy is so vicious that he just murders everyone come from? When clearly the film shows that he has specific targets, not only people who have annoyed him and who have crossed him, but these almost like political targets of the the yeah. Wall Street Bros. And um, and honestly, then I don't even think I don't even think he. To, to use probably the wrong word here, but I don't even think he intentionally, intentionally killed anybody until he killed De Niro's character. I think everybody who he killed prior yeah. to that was this sort of impulse accident that happened um, that was th this character coming out of him, American Psycho style. But like he, he, he didn't really have full awareness of his actions until he killed De Niro, I feel. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I, yeah, I'm curious what your take is here. I think you have a point because if you think, if you consider all the, all of his victims, they pushed him to a certain point where, you know, that kind, it, he kind, he snaps. Where, whereas Robert De Niro, he he didn't really do that. He just kind of just was talking and asking questions. But you know, the subway guys, they they beat him up, they mocked him, and then he has his former colleague who who got into trouble so this you know i don't want to say they were asking for it i don't i don't want to say that at all but they they were not helping themselves no they instigated a say it that a, way yeah i mean they instigated a clearly weak-minded individual because they knew that they could because they knew in their heart that they were they had nothing to be afraid of this guy's a wuss he's a he's a coward he would never hurt a fly and so I can bully him and take advantage of him because for me, that's funny. That's how bullying works. Most people don't bully the person they think could kill them or beat them up. Um, and it comes as a surprise to them when they are uh, attacked by that person that they've been affecting that way. Um, and I think that that's where I, I do wish, in hindsight, I do wish that the film had more to say for itself i think it's great in hindsight to look at this film as a mirror as a uh, a sort of rorschach test of its own for people to think about how they see the world through his experiences and rather than being a movie that's specifically telling you uh, what happened and uh, despite his speech at the end which in in a way does all that 
but it does it through a very warped sort of unreliable character at that point we we know he's he's twisted i think for for a lot of filmmakers they would have found conversations and moments within the film to more explicitly address the situation about bullying or about something. I mean, he sees the psychiatrist multiple times in the film and they don't use that as an opportunity for the psychiatrist to ask a very specific question, right? It, it, the movie is more about the mood. It's more about the sort of the quietness of it, uh, of what's happening rather than talking us through it. And I guess it works, but I'm also frustrated that they didn't, but I don't think Todd Phillips has it in him to deliver a quality version of the film that I'm talking about. I think this is like the best version of this movie that Todd Phillips could have ever possibly made. And so at the same time, I feel like, oh man, I just wish, I do wish that this movie was in the hands of somebody a little more capable of depth, but it also it would not exist without Todd Phillips, just like Tron Legacy wouldn't exist without What's his face? Like some movies only exist because the guy really wanted to make the movie. I or thought Mike, my, my, my first thought after watching it was like, man, if only Aronofsky or Fincher had made this, and this is like their material to a core is like, that would have been the nuanced film that I think really would have touched upon yeah. all of those things. You, you, know? you didn't expect to film like this to be tied to the guy who made the hangover films. Yeah. And I, and I think he's, I, I don't want to discount him completely. Like, of course, someone can pivot and change their filmmaking. Of course, the Hangover movies aren't the best. Um, but I do think he's he's limited in his capabilities of telling a truly deep story. And I think that's where I think a lot of people are latching onto that. Critics, especially like Phillips. Like, I don't I don't like the way they they look at all of his past films and say, oh, he could never have made this. But I do think it's clear that he's not as truly competent as you already said mike enough to f deliver the, the the deepest investigation into this character that i think we all really wanted to see in terms of it, it being like the perfect movie that we would have hoped that it as it as it was envisioned that we would have hoped that it would have well you know i think what todd phillips said once in an interview that stuck with me uh was why he made this movie he was at the premiere of what he wouldn't say but was clearly war dogs and he looked up and he saw a billboard for a, a, a title he wouldn't give, which was clearly Suicide Squad movie, and said, you know, they really should just make a movie about the one character and really go deep into that character. And that's why he made this movie. And I think there's a shallowness to that that plays out in the movie a little bit. Um, you know, where the, the character is... Joker is as uh, well-published as he is because of he's a magnet for this sort of social catharsis or social commentary, depending on how you look and, at it. And, and chaos. And chaos. And, you know, that I think that the, the way he's portrayed in Dark Knight is really great because there's social commentary in that character. But he is, again, he takes up a third of the movie. And Suicide Squad is just a a total bust it was a it was a whatever version of that movie like a hot topic version of that character <laughs> it, it, you know this was our first chance to really get into the the nuts and bolts of it and i think what he did so well in this movie was um was work in the sort of uh the batman story the origin story of batman is really well done here yeah. and i even really though, want to see that follow-up movie even though the batman 
aspect was not something that they really wanted to latch on to. According to certain articles, is very is is nicely handled here. I have to admit, because you don't you kind everyone knows about Bruce. No one really knows more about the parents. So here it gives them a perspective of what fed this antagonism for. Well, this it was not exactly antagonism, wasn't it? Because it was um. It was, it was, he just made them more of a target. It featured more in the story. There was more of a connection there. Right. Yeah. Well, you this... think a lot about why, um, <clears throat> you know, somebody like, uh, I'm going to use this example because it's the first one that comes to mind, not because I am paid by him, uh, uh -oh. but uh, George Soros <laughs> uh, or, or Jim Bezos, or whatever gajillionaire is out there who, depending on who you talk to, uh, is either a supervillain or a superhero. And and I think that's where we look at this movie coming at the, the the first time we've ever actually seen Thomas Wayne, the Wayne family, presented from the other side of the story. So he might yeah, like be a in, a, in a... Right, like in a Batman movie of all these same characters and same storylines, you might see only the side of him trying to help uh, the homeless or help this or help that. And there's this little side bit about a crazy lady who thought that he had her child and all this and that. But when you look at that from the perspective of somebody who's just on the desperate breaking point, as Arthur Fleck was, then you see how it all fits together so perfectly for him to become this supervillain. And, you know, Thomas Wayne is the bad guy in this movie, despite not really actually doing anything uh, until he shit talked Arthur in the bathroom, which really, you know, pretty much set him off on the wrong, on, on the wrong path. I, I just think that it's interesting. And and those are the kinds of bits that I always wonder, you know, did the filmmakers and writers start with that? Or did they just say, oh, shit, this is perfect. We could do this now. You know, I, I, I'm really curious. I think this is a movie amongst very few that I really hope there's a good commentary track because I'm definitely going to listen to it. Uh, and I hope the commentary track Thank isn't just like, ooh, in the background we have an Ace Chemicals building. Do you see that? Like, I want to, I want to hear more about why character choices were made and arcs were built, especially when they know it's possibly never going to be followed up on by anybody else because it's a standalone. I think the commentary track might be longer than the actual film. <laughs> <laughs> well, we fine. would all listen to it. <laughs> it would be interesting. This, Mike, this makes me want to mention something that I, on my second viewing, what I really noticed um, more clearly this time was that Warner Brothers has been selling the film as a cautionary tale. Um, and that what I actually noticed the second time around with the Thomas Wayne and the Batman and the Bruce Wayne story was almost that while we're watching the main story of a villain being created, a villain's origin story, we're also still seeing how the creation of a villain can also create a hero. And that, like, it's a weird, twisted thing to say out of a, this particular Joker movie. But at the same time, we are watching Batman be created by seeing the villain do his his quote unquote evil deeds. And it's almost like a dual narrative. And of course, Batman only or Bruce Wayne only has a couple of scenes in the film. But just that, I thought that was so fascinating. In that, it wasn't just a hundred percent about Joker. There was also this, like, oh, hey, this is another Batman origin story. At least as is from his childhood time. Um, and then I did like how much the Thomas Wayne angle was flipped because throughout all the Dark Knight movies and Nolan's movies, he is such a like savior to him. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's such a horrible guy. How can Batman, sorry, I keep saying, how can Bruce Wayne look up to him? But he does. And in the end, 
even though you may have enjoyed or liked watching Joker's origin, it is still also the origin of, of uh, another Batman. Of course, they claim that it won't connect with the, the Matt Reeves film, but um, who knows? I don't know. I just, I just found that really interesting watching it the second time. Like, I mean, it is still a comic book movie. We can't forget it, even though they're trying to play it like it isn't a comic book movie. Um, and I, lo- I love that balance between, like, there is these comic booky nerdy moments in it that you're also like, it is still an R-rated, you know, <laughs> dark, uh, evil movie at a time. If I could say something, it's like, you say it's a comic book movie, but people tend to sometimes forget that it doesn't have to have superheroes to be a comic book film. Yeah. That's, I think, that should be reiterated because people might think, oh, is it a superhero movie? It's not. As a comic book movie. Well, just... I, I also think <laughs> I also find it a, a, a very sort of tricky conversation to navigate because I think there's a difference between a comic book movie and a, a, a movie with comic book source material. Like I do think it's very different. Scott Pilgrim is a comic book movie. It's based yeah. on a comic book. It's yeah. designed like a comic book. I mean, it is the definition. If you ask me what's a comic book movie, I wouldn't say Dark Knight or or uh, Endgame or something. I would say it, it's Scott Pilgrim. It looks like a comic book, feels like a comic book. It, that's it's designed that way. Or Watchmen, which is page for page lifted because of uh, how perfect the source material is. Like that's maybe that's arguable, but the then you have movies that are. This is like when you see inspired by a true story at the beginning of a movie, right? I think that's what Joker is. It's inspired by a comic book, whereas other ones are like, this is a true story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is a comic book. So I think that's why it stands out. And, you know, when it comes to the success story that's going to come out of Joker, I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation to have, too, because... Financially, it's obviously a huge success, and I don't necessarily know yet <laughs> if that's because the movie's really good or because they're having a viral moment, a box office viral moment, well, where my- people are seeing the movie because they're like, well, I guess I just have to see it then. I have to see what everyone's talking about. Yeah, but that's, that's what it is, though. It is a cl- like, from my experience, even from people in Germany, they just have to see it, like, just to see it. Which is, which is almost, um, Katie, you were talking earlier about how just like uh, it, it, it attracts people in this way where um, it, it's, it's like it, you, you really do need to get a, a sense of it yourself. And even though this negativity and this negative discussion around it could have killed it, it actually kind of helped it in a way. Like all the people being like, oh, this is a bad film, don't go see it, actually caused more people to want to go see it. It's, is, it's very open to interpretation because, you know, people like it or people hate it. And yeah. it's, it's, it's now kind of, it's a case of, of people saying, well, I better go see it just to make my mind up because there, there are so many things in Joker that one person could see is negative, but another will see is positive. So, no, absolutely. You know, all this press and stuff is just drawing more attention to it. And it will be... And it'll continue to do so until the award season. Oh, yeah. I, at this point, I honestly think he will get nominated. I don't think he'll win, but I think he'll get a nomination. Just like, it's almost like an inevitable because of um, 
his because it's Joaquin Phoenix. Like he and everyone. And that's the funny thing is everyone who sees it, even the people who hate it, they're like, Joaquin Phoenix is great. And I'm like, okay, n- not a single person except for like one review I read could deny the fact that he's extremely talented and is the kind of shining centerpiece of the film, not just because of the character, but because of his performance. Um, and then th- that makes it worthwhile to see. Uh, and I, and honestly, I would say, much to the hate of these people who didn't want people to see it, that it's a good thing that people are actually going to the cinema to see a film to make up their own mind. I've always, throughout my entire career, for 13 years, thought, it's not just about my opinion. Everyone has an opinion about movies. And as you said, everyone can make up their own mind, good or bad. They can see something in it. They can be worried about it but at the same time someone can see something good in it and the fact that we're actually driving people to go to the cinema to see it and make it make up their own mind is much more better and healthy for the film community than saying oh don't go see it because it's so bad and dangerous i think that's way more unhealthy for the film community than actually encouraging people to see it and make up their own mind there's plenty to enjoy you know aside from the social commentary and all that stuff there are i well my opinion it's just there are things to enjoy about it. You know, yeah. the acting is good. The look is brilliant. You know, the soundtrack, the score is fantastic. There are po- there are points that doesn't necessarily, you know, have to do with the plot that our, you, pe- the audiences can appreciate. So, but um, no, it's not going to be one of those completely negative cinema cinematic experiences unless you look really deep into it. Yeah, I'm just curious what you meant by, like, if you look more into it, I'm like, oh, what does that mean? What did you look... I, I think because when people say, when... Because Joker's one of those things is that, you know, you could think about a point and then see it as a good thing, but then think about it again and then think about it as a negative thing. It can it can become a confusing, you know, turn about turn of events that could ruin a, a cinematic experience. Sorry, I'm not sure if I'm explaining this properly. Yeah, and I, I've actually, the second time around I was watching, I was sitting there thinking to myself a couple of times, like, how do people hate this movie? I was trying to put myself in that mind of, like, it, it's very strange for me to be watching a movie that everything technical about it is excellent, like cinematography, even the scores. I heard some people don't like the score, but I love how just eerie and moody it is. You know, like, costume and set design is great. Performances are great. And how can you be sitting there and watching all this and being like, this movie's bad? And I was trying to think about that the second time. I'm like, well, I guess the only way you can reach that conclusion from what Joker is presenting is if you're really against the character and you're really, truly uncomfortable with everything he's doing, which is a valid opinion. And it is something worth discussing from, you know, if, 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 if I meet one of these people who has that thought. But I'm also so curious as to how they can dismiss everything else about it and not let these feelings sit with them in a way where they then analyze that. Like, for example, um, this film Loose from Sundance this year uh, with Kelvin Harrison Jr., it pissed me off so much. I was just angry the whole time. And then I got out of it, I was like, that's a great film because it made me angry. Because there was something about it that like stirred up these thoughts and feelings in me, it made me reflect not only on my own choices, but on just how we act and how we perceive things. And I love when a film can do that. Like, if, it's, if a film makes me angry or if I hate a film, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad film. It makes me contemplate more what's going on in it. And as you say, the depth to it and, like, what you're reading through it and whether you, you personally can connect with or, or are frustrated by the characters and the choices they're making and what's happening. I have a take on that. So, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> look, I, I, loved, I, did, I loved the movie, uh, but it won't be in my top ten. 
it's right now near the back of my top 20 uh, of the year. I, I don't want to watch. I, I, I watch movies many, many times. I, I really like to go to theaters more than once for movies I love or provide, you know, that depth that you have to watch it twice, whatever. I, I'm not, I'm still a, a couple of weeks removed now from seeing this movie. I, I don't really have a, any desire to see it again. Like, I feel like I got everything I can get out of that movie, despite there possibly being more depth and more things there to discover down the road. I'm just not aching to see it again. Whereas, like, you know, I saw Ready or Not on back-to-back days. And, you know, a movie like Ready or Not is not necessarily... Uh, it, it's very different, obviously, but it's it's joyful and it's fun. And you you know that if you go back, you don't have to study it. Um, you can just sort of soak up what's happening and enjoy it while also maybe looking at it a little closer, see if there's any thoughtful discussion points about socioeconomic uh, bullshit, whatever. But <laughs> Joker isn't f- particularly fun for me. I-, I didn't find it fun. Not that it should be, but I do think a lot of people go into a movie like this thinking they're going to laugh, whether they laugh maniacally or not. You know, like a lot of people... <laughs> Uh, want a movie like this that's this dark to have a more satirical tone. Mm. And I don't think that they're comfortable by the reality setting in in front of them that this is just, this could be a fucking documentary. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are some fantastical elements in Joker, but it was not that far off from things that are actually happening in this country and in the world and could happen. Now, I think you're you're projecting if you say somebody is sitting in the crowd taking notes about how to do this um, because the circumstances in the film were so specific to the character. He's a stand-up comedian that gets made fun of, has a viral moment and kills the guy who created that viral moment because other people had been bullying him in the real world. It's a much more uh, consolidated and condensed situation. Right. Um, but that's where this becomes a fantastical example of what's happening in society and lifting up a mirror to it. And I just don't think people are comfortable by that if there's not going to be some jokes to be had. Jojo Rabbit's coming up. People are going to laugh their asses off. I'm sure I will. It's going to be fun and funny, but might even have something to say about hatred, might have something to say about fascism. I don't know. Maybe you guys have seen it and can say. But this movie is very beneath the surface and requires the viewer to do some hard work if they want to take more out of the film. And if they don't want to do that, then it's not going to be enjoyable for them. And I can see them from right from the get-go not enjoying it. And especially when he kills the, the guys and he runs into the bathroom and he does a, a dance, which in and of itself didn't have any pretext. There, they, He wasn't like, we didn't understand that he... He he's a dance kind of guy. <laughs> like, but he is. He, he dances the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we we didn't. And that moment took me by surprise. It was like it felt kind of like there was a deleted scene somewhere uh, where I was supposed to understand that his sort of escape from reality is dance or is sort of like poetic movement. And <clears throat> it didn't. It, it was a little bit of an odd sequence for me, despite thinking it was beautifully shot and the music was amazing. It did feel a little bit like we should make a movie here like this. This should be, this should be a really cool moment in the movie. Um, I don't know. Well, I thought from that moment from like personally, when I saw that moment, I was like, Oh God, this is like the, 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 this is the moment that he actually 
starts to crumble because he had just had that altercation on the train. He escapes. He's got a moment to recollect of what and soak in what he's done. But he's from in my eyes, he's almost reveling in it. Yeah. But this is what the point. uh, What is some I can see the an issue with the Joker is very intense because everything is so up for so much is up for discussion and interpretation where you sometimes when I don't know if you want to like you know after a hard day at work do you really want to go and watch a film like that and allow yourself to have the the time and and almost energy to to consider everything that it's saying you know I personally I don't want to go to watch a film after work and just be you know when I'm free I don't want to go what watch that a film that deep unless it's like you know unless i feel the need sometimes i just kind of want to have fun when watching a movie that's why i enjoy enjoyed knives knives out well you know ad astra i think is is another good example of a movie that came out recently that uh caught people off guard like i went to that on a friday night i I hate myself for doing it because i told myself i wouldn't go to movies friday nights and saturday nights but it is a packed house, and I could feel throughout the whole movie, I could literally feel the energy of people hating themselves for being at that movie because they thought it was going to be fucking Gravity meets Interstellar with Brad Pitt. And it's a super, super quiet and thinking man's movie where it's like, you know, you, you have to study this performance and think about what he's thinking because that's literally the point of this character is he's quiet and, and calm. And yet, people didn't really run to see that movie because although it was about something very deep and interesting, there was nothing else to talk about. Like, you know, I think that's what drives people to the movie theater. And whether they leave happy is kind of irrelevant, you know? When you talk about box office numbers, happiness is irrelevant. Um, If it's the reason people should go to the movie, like maybe, uh, I don't know, Spider-Man or something, then sure. But when you talk about Joker, which is clearly a villain's origin story and a dark tale on current society, then you need buzz and you need people to say, you got to see this movie. And whether they say that you got to see this movie because your your kid's going to turn out like the Joker, you got to see this movie. <laughs> or if there's like, you just got to see this movie because everybody's talking about it and you got to know what's going on. Um, those are all good reasons to at least get someone in a seat to experience a movie they otherwise wouldn't have gone to see. But I just don't know. I like I keep coming back to maybe it's just Heath Ledger did such a, a good job and and Jack Nicholson did such a good job. And this character is just so well known that people will just go and see anything anywhere that's about the Joker. That's just what they want to do. Yeah, well, that was one of my reservations about watching in the first place, because when I think about Batman, the first person that people, uh, when people tend to think of villain-wise is the Joker. So I was a bit apprehensive as to whether a film about him, mainly him, after everyone else and everyone else's performances, I had reservations of whether it was necessary. And uh, how did you feel? <laughs> I mean... Um, well... There were elements of Joker that I really do appreciate, but you know, there will be there are points that I did not agree with. 
or I could I felt could have been handled better but that's just my opinion no but that's but that's important because I want to know what aside from like um and I I think we're all kind of in agreement or not in agreement but we're all kind of on the same page in terms of like everyone thinks that there's this sort of black and white opinion on Joko where it's like you either love it entirely or you hate it but I think we're all in this kind of realm of like hey, there's a lot to appreciate about it, but I don't think it's the best movie ever. As Mike said, it's not going to be on my top 10 list either. And I think there's this sense of like, yeah, at, the same, yeah at the same time, I don't want to dismiss it entirely though. And I don't want to say it's the best thing ever. And even if my tweets come across sounding like that, actually what I'm trying to say is that there's elements to it that are, as I wrote, like gnarly and, and uh, remarkably um, bold in what they're doing. But at the same time, there's a lot that is lacking in some of it. And I didn't, feel totally uh, in love with it or, or like moved by it in any way, shape or form. I didn't feel much emotion at all other than like, wow, this is such a like dark, heavy film. And I think, I also think that that's what, why, like, at least with my experience at my cinema, why people were so quiet, especially by the end is I think it's just like, you're just stunned by the end of it in, in either a good or a bad way. You're either stunned like, oh, wow, that was good. But wow, I'm like drained of emotion or you're stunned like, man, that just made me feel bad, <laughs> you know? And that's, I don't know if that's a compliment to the film, but it's just definitely an aspect of the film. Um, and per your point, Katie, earlier, like sometimes you want to enjoy films and, and this is definitely not something that I think people will see to enjoy. I think they're seeing it because they need to see it to get a sense of it. But like, I, I, I'm very curious and that's why I wanted to ask you more about what you're saying is like, is the, is the how does this reaction to the film and how does what we've seen watching this film how will that affect us and play out with time is it going to you know put a little thought in your mind that over time you're going to think about it? or is it just something that's like oh okay we watched it and we forget about it i don't know if it's going to be forgotten that easily but i also don't think it's going to truly inspire like riots as it shows at the end of the movie i think it's just going to leave people thinking about things in a really uh deeper way than they expected going into it no i agree i think it'll make people think and consider certain aspects of it um it is it, it really depends on um sorry i'm just trying to think, <laughs> think this through it's people will watch it to make up their own minds but it is a film that, that that almost calls for your whole attention because you can't won't be able to um process it properly if you just dare to if you're tired or we just want to enjoy yourself um it is um yeah because it is just you know there is so much to to consider it it, it feels like a quite a layered film especially with all the press that's going on about it and it's hard to kind of uh form your own opinion when there's so many reports and contradicting opinions about it so it's 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 a quite a almost touchy film, to be honest. It's it's one that's going to be uh, open for debate. I think that the movie that it most reminded me of was Fight Club, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, maybe because I'm a white male. I don't know. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's, it. that's it. We know. Um, but the 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 thing about it was that you know if you really look at both of these movies and how they how they progress from A to Z, uh, Z being the sort of full transformation of the character into the person that they will ultimately become known as and for. 
I, I, I think what makes Fight Club so much more compelling is that there is so much more to me, style, filmmaking, pizzazz, and, uh, and energy, and, and just interesting things going on. Whereas this is, the, this is a much more methodical movie. Uh, uh, it dives a little deeper into the psyche of one person. And I think that's hard for people to watch sometimes. I, I, I just think it's, it's sometimes it, it's too, what's the right word? Like spending that much time with one person who is clearly fucked up in the head is hard. It's hard. But that's like um, a, there's a whole subgenre of these movies, though. There <laughs> between, is, but between America, Psycho, yeah, and yeah, but at least in those in those aspects, that there is some kind of relief. Whereas right. in Joker, there's there's little to no relief in terms of you kind of want to you're kind of hoping or needing this kind of this optimism, this hope, this this someone that will just just make you smile. And there's nothing, there's there's barely any of that here. That's what I found. Yeah, and you know, the American Psycho is funny. It's satirical. It's clearly satire. And there's a scene where he, the ATM tells him to feed him a stray cat. Like it's, you know, there is nothing like that in this movie. And even the the laugh is hard to digest. The fact that it's a physical, uh, it's a physical problem for him, mm-hmm. which I think is, by the way, genius. But easily the brightest bulb of a moment they had on making this film and the most unique addition to the joker lore which is well written like there is a lot of stuff out there and you don't often see people add things to a movie rendition of a comic book character that makes that character more interesting that did because the performance for example when he's on stage doing his comedy bits trying to literally choke himself to stop laughing is that's the kind of stuff that Oscar-nominated performances are made from. You know, I mean, if he gets nominated, to me, it's moments like that. It is a, this, he, I could feel physical abuse of himself because of that situation. And that Joaquin Phoenix is so good at that. Like, you know, you can always trust if you need someone to smash their face against a glass window, he'll actually do it. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and this character needed things like that. And, uh, and I think that's to be rewarded or nominated, at least, and, and acknowledged as genuinely uh brave acting i i think when it comes to male performances bravery is in in performance is typically how much are you willing to hurt yourself um i think if we really look societally at how we judge male performances uh not really like oh he lost 20 pounds to make this role uh but actually the physical acts that he does throughout it, which are really fascinating. The breaking up of the shoe earlier in the film. Like, he's a physical monster in this movie. And that is what I found most compelling to watch. Uh, more than, I don't know, more than any of the plot points. More than any of the things that unfolded. Watching him just be on screen is what made this movie truly enjoyable for me. Uh, because, like we've talked about, there's really nothing that happens in it that's enjoyable. I, I can't go back. I can't go back on anything that happened in this movie right now, except for maybe when he rises up at the very end and and, and has his admir- admirers um, chanting his name. But outside of that, I really can't think of one moment in the film that I I, I really want to rewatch. I like the uh, stairs moment. To, to, uh, you know, oh, the music. 
Uh, yeah, regardless of the, the the music is like a good choice, and I know there's controversy over uh, over the song, but also um, it's just a, it's just a funny like uh, it's weird to say this about someone who is evil and just came from killing someone, but it is like a joyful scene for him, you know, and it and it's just like it's it is probably the most satirical related to American Psycho out of anything in it because he's just like ridiculously dancing there, and it's amusing to watch. And yet it's also like his, uh, another one of his moments similar to the one in the bathroom earlier where he's like finally embracing who, who he is, like the, the feelings he's having by having killed someone. That's, that's his moment. Yet like from our perspective watching it, it's a different moment of like, oh, he's, he's in, you know, having a fun moment on the stairs. And it's shot in a way that like isn't, is, it's the best of the stairs shots out of all, uh, there's like 10 of them in the film, but. Oh, well, I do think um, there might be something to be said for the editing of this film when it's all said and done. I'd really like to study the editing of it. Maybe that's because that's what I do for a living. <laughs> but I, I definitely noticed a lot of really interesting sort of three-act uh, narrative ties, whether it's the way he's looking out the bus, sadly, the way he's looking out um, the window uh, in the middle of the movie, I forget when, sad, or the train, sadly. And then when he's looking out the cop car, happy. Uh, those kinds of parallels that split the film into three acts were, were done in many different ways. The dancing in particular is your best indicator editorially of how far into Joker he's become. And to see him do the full dance before he walks out onto the late night show, right? It is sort of this accumulation. And I do think there's something to be said for that. That's a very well thought out and structured approach to storytelling. It's really cool. Uh, that I I do think if I watch it again, that'll be the one thing I look for the most. Interesting, interesting. I do. I mean, I I don't want to talk about this a lot, but it it, it did it did win the Venice Film Festival for a reason, you know. And it, it, it I think it won more on a technical merit than anything. Um, but that it, it's again, it's hard to dismiss the artistry of the film and only say that oh, there's, there's something wrong with the story and that's it. Um, and to just, just throw it away for that reason. Um, and the, whether or not in 10 years we'll, we'll be discussing Joker for its artistry more than its story is something I'm curious about. You know, like if in 10 years the only reason we'll be talking about Joker is because of Joaquin Phoenix's performance and, you know, the, the cinematography and the music... Or will we still be like, well, this this had an, had a, a stirred something up in people in an interesting way? Um, I think is still something that is left to be determined based on time, and as more people begin to see it. Um, but I don't know. This this makes me uh, want to address something too that that we've kind of been touching upon, which is this idea that I've heard a lot of reading online from people about how the film has nothing to offer. Um, and a lot of people who just dismiss the film and hate it, and a lot of critics I've read too, just continue to say, uh, oh, there's nothing here, or that there's just nothing. And while I, I, I would contend that there's not a lot to it, I do think the basic constructs of what it's trying to say is just like, if you, and if you can go down the cautionary tale aspect of it, that, that, that we should be good to people. We should care about them. We should, like, if, if you throw them to the side and if you bully them, and they're the wrong person, they can snap and become this. And while that is something we all know, we're all familiar with, like we all, sh we all know we should take care of people in society, you know, mental health is a major problem. And of course, there's the little touch upon the, the way the government shuts down his only support network. 
and that aspect as well is something that both the UK and America and a lot of countries are dealing with about how we take care of mentally ill people and how we care about people in a social public setting. Like all of these things are there. And to me to say there's nothing is not just not true. It's there. It's not deep. It doesn't add anything more than what we already know, but it is still there. I think that is the, an aspect of the it. only way you could possibly watch this movie and think there's nothing there is if you went to the bathroom when he killed the other clown guy and let the little guy go because it's as explicit as it gets there. If you bully the, if you bully him, he will kill you. If you're nice to him, he will let you go. Right. And I'm, I mean, that's not this like huge thing that we don't all know, but it is still there. That's my point. Like it's there. Katie, were you saying something? Oh, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> oh, I thought, no, cause it's just, it's just, it's just like, uh, it's something I've read so much, and I, it's almost like I want to address these people who think there's nothing there. Like, and again, it's a, it's a it's a nuanced discussion because to me, it's not that there's anything hugely revelatory or like life changing in the film. And I think that's uh, per what we talked about earlier, Todd Phillips' inability to bring that across in any more deeper way than what we see on the surface in this. But at the same time, it's like if you really do look at this in the most simplistic way, there is something being said about. We need to take care of people, even the people that we look at oddly. Like there's that the, the bus scene, which is early on, and it was in all the trailers, where he's making the faces to the kids. And then the woman in the bus is like, don't you mess with my kid. And he's like, I was just having fun with him. It's an interesting moment that I actually see a lot in real life, where we're also just snappy at each other in public. And even on Twitter and these kind of places, where it's almost like, hey, actually, these people have feelings too. And not to say if you snap at this person the wrong way, they're going to turn into a joker and kill everyone. But at the same time, like, we need to take care of everyone in society. We need to recognize that there are these possibilities for people to fall into the dark depths that we don't want them to by shunning them, by putting them to the side, by not listening to them, by not trying to include them in some way, shape, or form. And I feel like that's again not the most deep thing that the film has to say but it is still there and i think it's a i think it's something that if i have to take away anything from the film it's this reminder that like hey we don't want jokers and um there is this little bit of sympathy for him because he he if, if his basis of his character before he becomes someone who kills is just a guy who just wants to make people laugh and feel happy through his jokes you know and how many how many of us have ever wanted that in our lives like how many of us wanted you know, Mike, you want people to watch your films. Katie, you want people to read your material and feel something through what, what you write. Like, we all want that connection with people. And if we're just all treated poorly, maybe we all will become jokers, you know? <laughs> that's a very deep thought, actually. <laughs> well, well that's, that's what's funny about it, because it's like, it's deep for a film that people say is not deep. <laughs> but I'm like, no, there's something there. I think was why I remember I just remembered I was going to say is that that they back to your part about Joker not having anything to offer it does offer it does offer something it's just very subtle yeah like I said it's open for interpretation it's not it, yeah certain certain things are bold but then you you know just make you wonder about you know the flip side of it is this you know is this is this you know, yeah, he might be violent, but is it just retribution for have for living in such a, you know, bad um, in bad conditions? Is it is it you know is this your my way of saying is a cry, is it a cry for help or is it like this is what happens when you take away my support? It's it's the subtlety of how it makes you think 
mm. is what it offers. Yeah, I understand. That makes sense. And I and I, I I'm glad to hear you say that because it is it has worried me so much how many critics I've I've spoken to who are just like uh, it's almost like they don't even want to talk about the film. They're just like ah, I didn't care for it and that's it. I, I, there's just been there's the, uh, the reactions that I have seen or 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 um, from other people it vary from the average to the overwhelmingly negative. I mean, if for me, I just I I appreciated the vision. I just like I said, didn't agree with it wholly. What can I ask you then, as a curiosity out of uh, the other side of it? What is what is your most, uh, like, like what bothered you the most about the film? Um, I, I actually put this in my review, is that it's treatment of mental illness. Mm. That was um, my, one of my biggest gripes about it, because it just felt like it was a, it, it, it could have been dealt with better. Mm. I understand. <laughs> Um, it, it, was, it was just, it just felt, in certain parts, it just feels like it was a bit over, over, over um, a bit insensitive, and it felt like it could have dealt with a bit more care, considering, you know, we recently had, in the UK, mental health days, and a lot of people are sharing, sharing their stories about how they, you know, how they, 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 they cope with, you know, anxiety and things like that, and having a film that has this guy who has a condition but it felt like you know this mental it kind of in my eyes hinted that his condition is what kind of abated him to become a criminal it just felt it just didn't sit well with me yeah i understand that and i've I've been thinking about what what would have been a better way to handle that i almost wonder if um if they would have been able to introduce more characters, like small side characters that would have been other people with mental, not full mental illness, but other problems that perhaps the, the psychiatrist that he sees is also seeing, or other people he, he um, interacts with in some way, or just like how could they have handled it better in a way that didn't make it feel like this mental illness was responsible for everything? I've been wondering about that. I don't know. Well, I do think that there's an interesting side element about how mental health is being portrayed in movies lately as well. You know, going back to what I had mentioned earlier, watching Midsummer just the other day for the first time. And that movie is very much about mental health and how it uh, determines the way we react to certain situations and circumstances. And um, it's a much more subtle take, but it's very clearly about that issue. And I think when you look at Joker... It's a movie that kind of says, it's almost like the kind of person who says, I get it, but I don't really want to explain my point of view. Uh, because I don't know if the, if it's Todd Phillips just kind of trying not to bite off more than he can chew on his first big jump as a filmmaker, or whether he honestly just uh, thought that this was all that needed to be said. I, I do think there's a missing piece here, and it's, and, and it's empathy, not for the main character before the circumstance right for mental illness uh for for the the social services that that get brought down it, it did feel like we were only asked to empathize with 
And by the way, I've heard people say that the movie does not empathize with him. That's bullshit. It 100% empathizes with him. But it, but it balances it in, a, in a, it, I think, in a it's good a way. It's a very different sort of empathy. It's not very yeah. obvious. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not like you should understand why he killed De Niro. <laughs> it's not like you'll want to do that if you're in his shoes. Um, but, you know, there is some... It, it, the film does hold back a little bit in areas where I think uh, it, it, it should be acknowledged, like... Honestly, for the entirety of that interview, I was fully expecting and I had committed to seeing it. I'm like, okay, this is about to happen to him shooting up the entire studio. Um, I think the film was building to that. And I'm really glad it didn't. I think if he had done that, we would have definitely all been having the conversation about this film being seriously dangerous because that is where the real crazy... um, mass murderers go uh he is clearly a mass murderer he killed multiple people but uh there is this sort of divide between what he does in this film and how it very is very much personalized to his experiences and the people that affected him personally uh and how real world mass murderers take out as many people as they can just because they want to go out in a blaze of glory uh, or so they think the only person that I'm a little confused about him killing was the implication at the end that he killed that psychiatrist that he was talking to, who clearly on screen had done I thought, nothing. I thought he liked her, but I think it was... Uh, but he's now full-blown Joker, right? So like, yeah, he, I guess that's the argument. He has to yeah. escape from Arkham Asylum. Exactly. I was gonna say that's it's like the it's like a comic booky moment of like and okay, even but, but, even the even the steps down the hall is like probably straight out of a comic book panel at some point. Sure, but why then why does he why does he kill her, run out of the room, and then do a scooby doo chase with the security guards? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because if he's trying to get out and he's willing to kill innocent people, arguably, um he should be killing those guards, too. But I guess that's what makes him a really interesting Joker. Is when you look at it, it's kind of similar to the Dark Knight Joker, in which we know physically he's more than likely not going to be able to compete against a Batman, a fully formed Batman character. He won't be able to beat him in a fist fight, but he can conjure up his army of loyal followers, create hysteria, hysteria in society, and create the system that's going to break Batman down rather than have a physical one-on-one fight. Yeah. But this is actually one of my favorite things is when he was in the, in, I think it was on the show and he says, I think he's being asked by De Niro. He's like, uh, is this your movement? And he's like, no, he didn't intend to start a movement. He just, he, he just is who he is. And he's like, I'm not political. You know, I didn't want to start this, which is actually a really fascinating reflection of society. Like sometimes someone does something um, like the, the, the Greta woman about climate change. And then suddenly, not because she intends it, but, but people begin to follow and latch onto that. And they start the movement, which is actually what the film very directly and nicely shows in that final third, which is so intense. Like the, the awesome subway scene and the very Viva Vendetta-esque, like suddenly there's these people out there. And there's no scenes of showing them, you know, there isn't a scene of showing them watching like uh, Joker on TV when he does that, but they clearly have, and they've used that to to um, begin their own movement in a way. And that Joker, and this is purely his character from the comic books as well, is he is a, like a singular thing 
and the, the movements around him are purely because of who he is, not because he's trying to get them to follow him, which is also the case in The Dark Knight and everything. That's a very well, specific I, character it, thing. It's funny you say that because I was having this conversation after the film about where this would go if it was going to be a never-ending uh, franchise. I, I legitimately think that if you said, hey, Mike, write the sequel to Joker, <laughs> I would... Um, I would have it take place, you know, like 20 years later or whatever, where he's continued to build his movement, so to speak, that he didn't really intend to start, but clearly has to be the leader of. And we have a Batman character and all that stuff aside. I could legitimately see a sequel in which Joker runs for president. Oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know he says he's not political, but let's be honest, that's what Trump said, too. Um you know, I think that he knew by the end of the movie, after he killed De Niro, after he got in the and he got broken out of the cop car and he rose up to sort of you know to soak in the admiration. I think in that moment he actually kind of um, contradicted himself in a good way for the character, where he said maybe I should embrace this political leader that I am that I didn't plan to be. I just wanted to get back at the guys who made me feel like shit and who. And who bullied me? I mean, really, that's where most of it's coming from. But that Until... is that is that's what he's trying to say. His movement is like, well, look what happens. I mean, he, he says it on the show, like, look what happens when you treat people like this. This is this. Yeah. Is, well, who's left to kill now? I mean, the only people left to kill is the political system that has led him to this point. Now, True, all of his personal is... bullies are gone. So I think that's where that's why I think he now has to embrace a political figure that he is and. Become, run for mayor, I guess. In this, in these kinds of things, they don't run for president. They run for mayor. He runs against Harvey Dent. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's okay. I'll I'll just write this and then I'll submit it. And we'll see you on what twenty twenty three podcast as special guest screenwriter Mike. No, you'll see me <laughs> in one article. The guy who wrote the sequel to Joker but didn't get paid for it. Yeah, and tries to sue the studio for rights. Um, yeah. Well, any uh, other? Yeah, but I feel like we pretty much covered everything. But it, yeah, there's there still, it really, you could talk for a long time about this movie. Is there anything else that either of you want to say about it that's been like this? Uh, this thought on your mind you want to get out? I kind of wish people would stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm sorry we brought you on this podcast. No, I, I understand, and that's. It, it I'm is. so happy you said that. I honestly, going all day today, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't really want to do this. But I guess let's just get it on down. Off. Let's get it on. This is this is a release. We need yes. to get it off our chest. Just uh, otherwise, we're just going to explode. Exactly. No, this is this is my final like word on it. I'm like, I've seen it twice now. I actually, I was like, this is going to be the moment where I'm just like, all right, we're done. I'm talked about it. Now I have. 10 other films to talk about. I think we're going to record Ad Astra next. Like, I'm actually more excited about other stuff too. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. The only thing I wanted to mention, which I, uh, the second time I saw it, I kind of loved this quirk, was at the very end, the very last thing he says is he's sitting with a psychiatrist and she asks him, like, I think something about a joke and he says, um, you wouldn't get it. And then it continues right into the, the That's Life song. And I thought this was such a, I guess Todd, Todd Phillips, like, fuck you wink at the at the audiences who literally don't get the movie it's basically like a, oh you didn't get it yeah sorry you wouldn't get it like you're not smart enough to get it and i know it's such a like oh how dare he try that but it was such a like smirky thing to put in at the end of the movie and it's just like yeah he's a different person 
he's that's life, man. You got to accept that there's jokers out there <laughs> and, and you won't get it. You wouldn't get him. You can't get him. And that's not the point. But he exists. And it, maybe that's scary. Maybe that's another point to take away from it. But that was my 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 fun thing I saw at the very end of it. I was like, that's such a bold line to put in there. It's the final line of the movie. Like, yeah, not everyone's going to get it. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, I will say that I, I'm, I'm glad we did have this discussion for yeah. the cathartic reasons that we just uh, explored. But I, I also, like, I, I'm at the point now where I know there's going to be people in my life who say, did you see Joker? What would you think? I'm going to be like, fucking listen to my podcast. <laughs> Normally, I would be like, well, here's what I think and consolidate it for that specific audience, whoever they are. I honestly don't think I can do it. I think I'm just going to be like, I recorded a podcast. I don't mean to be rude, but I, I did. Re I recorded an hour long podcast. I think you'll get a, a good answer there. I just, I can't talk about it anymore. Mm. Yeah. There's only so much I can really say that I haven't said before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just, I'm not ready to hear any new opinions. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think there are any new ones left. Everyone's shared every possible thought. But um, we're going to get movies in the next month or two. We're going to get movies that are going to completely overwhelm. Like, nobody's going to be talking about this. It's going to be like us, right? Just people are going to completely stop talking about it as soon as Star Wars comes out. And yeah. maybe we start talking about it again. And... <laughs> what? I can't wait. I can't wait for Star Wars. I just can't wait. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to ask you, to, to end this topic on Joker, um, uh, I mean, I'm 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 glad we covered everything, and and I think this was a good discussion. Um, I actually want to ask you before you go, what are you? What is your number one film of the year so far? I think, I think it has to be. It's really it's really hard. It's been it's been quite a mixed year, hasn't it? Um, I think the farewell is probably up there at the moment. I love the farewell. Great. And great. I'm not, it's not because I'm biased. Swear yeah, to no, I understand. It's it's it, a wonderful it, film. I just yeah, it's just one of those simple simply made yet really evocative films yeah i really love the film and i hope people see it i don't know if it did well in the u.s release but i think i think it's one of those like you can discover and find any time and still enjoy it and it's a film that doesn't need to have been seen at least to have an impact on people I think, and everyone who sees it, not to like go deep into farewell, but everyone who sees it, as soon as it ends, they're like, I called my grandma and had a talk with her. Like, the, you just got that like feeling of you got to talk to someone in your family when it's over. No, absolutely. Um, now I want to get you on the Star Wars podcast, but that's going to be uh, exciting. It's going to be another few months. <laughs> a bit I know, longer. I know, but. A bit longer. I'm, ex I'm very excited for it too. I'm very, very. It's almost like. Uh, it's obviously the last thing, like, biggest thing we all have yet to see at the end of the year. But uh, it's also, like, there's not a lot of excitement for it, I feel like. I think it's because we still have a couple months. And I think it's because there's, like, a hundred other movies coming out between now and December. Uh, and big stuff between, obviously, Scorsese's Irishman, but also, like, all these other random films coming up in these next two, three months that... Not only do we got to get out of the way, but there's just like so much conversation about everything. And Disney hasn't really started their final push for it. But of course, in the last month, it's going to be mania. And there's going to be what I'm dreading are the like 100 think pieces we're going to have about people who are like, my whole life is dedicated to Star Wars because it's the end of this Skywalker era. It's going to be all these. Actually, the whole end of the year between end of the decade and end of Star Wars is going to be endless 
nostalgia miming pieces about our life and entertainment these days. Get ready, everyone. Get ready. Okay. Um, well, okay. So to, to wrap up, Katie, where can people find you uh, on Twitter and where can they read your work? Uh, you can find me on Guitar Gal China on Twitter and you can actually find me on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, all my uh, reviews for um, the sites I contribute for can be found there. Well, not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you again for coming on and thank you again for uh, having this chat with us about Joker. And um, Yeah. Thank Thanks you. For listening. You're welcome. Our next show will be talking about Ad Astra, which is another one that's already been playing in theaters, but I really want to talk about. And that's it. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at First Showing and on FirstShowing.net and Mike. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Eisentower30. And uh, um, that's about it. Just talk to me there. <laughs> well, see you, everyone. <laughs> Bye.